Hello and welcome to the Just In Stride podcast. I'm your host, Justin Pugliese. If you love endurance sports, you've definitely come to the right place. On this show, we'll talk to athletes, coaches, and professionals who can help us reach our true potential. Being a student of distance running for over 10 years and interviewing people in the sport for the last five, I've learned a ton, but there's always more to discover. Everyone has a story, and I know you'll resonate with each of our guests as we embark on this new journey together. Join us at home, on the road, or while you run. Together, we'll have some fun. So follow along on Instagram at JustInStridePod and your favorite podcast platform and prepare to be inspired. Come along for the ride with Just In Stride. This episode is presented by our friends at Exact Nutrition, a tasty and healthy way for you to fuel your body before, during, and after a solid training session. I can't leave the house without a few fruit bars in my pocket and they never make it back home. Exact is offering you 15% off your order when you use the code JUSTINSTRIDE. So head to exactnutrition.com and fuel your goals today. My comfort zone as an interviewer has been speaking to guests who share my passion, which is running. The goal for this show, however, is to speak with athletes in endurance sports and try to see if there's some common ground between them. On today's episode of Justin Stride, I got in the water with former swimmer, master scuba dive trainer, and now competitive indoor freediver, Natasha Lacey. Whether it was swimming in the lake near her childhood home or jumping in the pool, she's always gravitated towards water. That passion evolved and has taken her far beneath the surface into the depths of the sea. Now, freediving has given her the fire to compete for her country at the national level while continuing to learn and grow in her sport. Hey, Natasha, welcome to Justin Stride. I hope Hello, you're Justin. Good day so far. Um, yeah, I wanted to have you on. Like, you're definitely different kind of athlete than the one, ones I've had on the show so far. Mostly runners trying to get a, a wide range of runners as well, but... You know, I'm looking to get probably back into triathlon soon and, and certainly have a swimming background. So it's definitely interesting for me. Uh, and that's kind of evolved over time for you as well. So, yeah, thanks for taking the time. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, no problem. So, yeah, maybe just like, I mean, you're getting into running too. I know that. Um, how's like your little uh, intro to running been so far? Um, it's great. I mean, I tried out running a few years ago, maybe seven years. But my approach was not the best because I went too too fast, too much into it, and then I hurt a bit my knees. So this time I told myself, if I try it again, I do it properly, step by step. I listen to myself, to my body, and that's how I'm doing it. So, so far, it's really going good. So far, so good. And like any aches and pains or niggles or anything like that? Not at all. Okay. And what's the goal for you? Uh, so I um, registered for a small race, a 10-kilometer race. I mean, it might sound small for uh, people from the running um, side. However, as I never really did this in my life, I was always in the water. For me, it's quite a, a target. And as I said, I really want to, to approach it in a sustainable and healthy way. Mm -hmm. So I'm really looking forward for that. And what are some of the things you're enjoying about the running as you like introduce it as a new as a new type of training after seven years? Yeah, it's uh, what I really enjoy about it is that it's outside in the nature. Also, I can go close to the water because I, I love the water. It's my element. So it's nice to move the body in a different way than in swimming, than what I'm used to it. Um, and being outside because normally I'm always in an indoor pool. So this is really great. Mm -hmm. And are you dealing, how are you dealing with like impact and stuff like that? Because like being in the water is very low impact and Oftentimes, like runners can use swimming as a way to train um, without having that impact on their body so as a as a kind of active recovery, right? Exactly. That's really a, an important point. And uh, of course, the first uh, few times I was running, I felt it on my body that it's different, that my body has to carry the weight, not like in the water when I'm just floating. So, but here also, I really made sure um, to warm up properly, the knees, the joints, everything, to really take the time to do this properly before starting to run. And then also afterwards, do some stretching and recovery and really make sure that I'm feeling good. Okay, awesome. Um, now you're like fast forward to kind of what you're doing competitively now, like you're a nine time uh, record holder um, 
for for Switzerland and like it's been like a kind of a wild ride for you but like what brought you to the world of free driving can you take us back to maybe the beginning of how you were like as a kid and were you introduced to sports and what brought you to swimming and then eventually free diving maybe give you, give a little history Mm -hmm. And so I grew up uh, close to a lake, like I had to cross the street and then I was uh, at the beach. So I was really uh, all my life close to the water. It's really my element. I love it. Um, and I quickly started to join the swimming club there where I grew up in Switzerland. And then I did the competitions. Um, I trained like four times, five times a week. And then uh, the weekend competitions, I really enjoyed this. Also the time with my friends at the swimming club. Um, and then after school time, when I started working, I did a little bit a break from competitive sport and I started with scuba diving um, and there I became an instructor and I taught courses and lessons in Switzerland and the Swiss lakes. So how to scuba dive and be underwater to enjoy uh, this world. But then I also soon realized that this more sporty or athletic part of uh, being in the water is missing. Um, because it's like a calm activity to scuba dive. It's more, I always say, like you go to a museum and you watch how it is uh, underwater, but you're not really active. So then I went uh, on a vacation and I dedicated myself during this vacation to free diving because uh, I thought this can be a great uh, activity for me. And it came out that it's really the perfect balance between being active in the water, moving, but then also being underwater. So this part from scuba diving, enjoying the nature underwater and swimming, being really active about it. And uh, quickly, I, I felt again this fire within me of uh, being in competitions. And that's why I straight away when I came home from the vacation, I registered for a free diving club to train and also immediately uh, register for some competitions that I have a target to train for. And that's how everything then started. Okay. So so you were fairly competitive as a as a kid growing up? Like was that was that something that was kind of encouraged by a family or by by a coach or like how did it turn from like just an activity that you did in the in the in the in the lake by your house to then becoming a more like competitive swimmer? Like is that like part of your nature, would you say? I would say so. I mean, it was never that my, my parents, they, it's not like my parents are doing competitions, not at all. So, um, it really came, I think, from, from myself. I was like 12 years old. And, uh, I think it's something I have within me because then also then in my second competitive phase of my life, let's say now with freediving, it's no one who told me about it. I had this idea. Maybe there are competitions in freediving. Let's check it out. And I registered everything by myself. I didn't have a coach at all. Um, so yeah, I think it's something I have within me. Okay. And is it always around water sports for you or have you gone into other things, you know, over, over your life? Always in water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems that way. Like you're, you're trending in that direction. You know, some people bounce all over the place and, but it sounds like you, you really know, like, and you're really focused on, you know, where you're going with it and what you're doing with it. So like, Maybe explain a little bit about this because it's new for, certainly new for me. I did some research on it, like how long can you hold your breath for without a tank and all this stuff. But like, what were the things that, you know, that you loved about scuba diving and like, how is it different from free diving? Mm -hmm. uh, there are a few uh, sayings uh, from famous freediver. One that says, uh, free diving is a journey into your inner world and scuba diving is a journey to the outer world. Um, because with scuba diving, as you said it, you have your cylinder with the air, so you can stay up to an hour, you can really enjoy the time, you can look around, um, and then you go up again. In free diving, you have a very limited time. It's all about uh, your breath that you take, and then also not only how you manage well to take in the maximum of air, but then also about the consumption of this air. This means the more you're able to relax, not only your body physically, all your muscles, but also your mind, the less oxygen you consume and the longer you can stay underwater. So it really has another focus. It's really um, an inside uh, activity that you have to be in control of what you're feeling, of your emotions, in order to then enjoy the time underwater as long as you can. Okay. 
So, and, and then what's the goal with it? Like there's obviously like different competitions you can get into and, and all this, like what's the, it's, it's how long you can hold your breath, how far you can get, like, what's the, what does it look once you're, once you're in the water? Yeah, there are different disciplines in freediving. So on one hand, we have all this section that is in the depth. So maybe in the ocean or in a lake where you go down along a rope and you come up. Also, there are different disciplines. So here the goal is to go as deep as possible. And then there is another discipline called static, where you basically lay in the water. You don't move at all and you just enjoy your time. And so there the goal is to stay as long as possible in the water. And then there is also the other part in the pool where you swim underwater. So not like in depth as deep as possible, but as far as possible. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, the section where I am competing in the pool. And also there you can compete with a monofin. So it's like more the mermaid fin as uh, we might know it, or the bifins, or also no fin that looks more like the breaststroke. So here we can see it's very close to swimming but with this aspect of being underwater and controlling uh, the breast hold. Okay. And so uh, when you were doing um, your scuba diving, were there aspects of that that you could carry over? Like, is, would you say that maybe scuba diving was a good progression to uh, free diving? Uh, it's really a totally different sport. So there are many um, people coming from scuba diving that go to free diving because, of course, in scuba diving, you learn to be comfortable underwater. Uh, the thing is, with scuba diving, if something might occur underwater, you cannot just go up because you have your tank of air and you, it can cause like decompression illness. So you need to go slowly up uh, when you're underwater. So this means that if there is something underwater, you need to solve your problem right there where you are. You cannot go to the surface to solve it. So, of course, this aspect, it teaches you to stay calm no matter what happens, to have a, a calm breath, etc. So, of course, this aspect can be related also to freediving, that when you're underwater, maybe you have a moment where you are a bit scared because maybe the lake is dark or the ocean is dark or you think I'm holding my breath, I'm scared to continue. So then, of course, this moment also you relax again and you know, I can do it and find back the confidence to continue a little bit longer. So yeah, this here, I can see a parallel. Okay. Sounds good. And then how long did you have to, how long does one have to do training uh, courses to be able to be a, a scuba diver and then, you know, not only scuba diver, but a scuba dive instructor? Uh, for scuba diving, there are different courses. So you can really start uh, from the beginning. The first course is like called open water diver. And this is mainly done like in four days. And then you are able to dive with a cylinder um, until 18 meters. And then after that, you can continue your certification. You can become like an advanced diver. You can go a, bit, a little bit deeper. And then also what was nice in scuba diving is that you have a lot of specialties that you can do. So, for example, you can become a specialty diver in wreck diving. You can learn more about the underwater world. There are many different aspects that you can explore. And then to become an instructor, of course, it takes you uh, additional skills or um, a bit more time to really make sure that you are comfortable with no matter which situation, because if something happens to your student, you are the one who needs to be in control uh, of the other person and yourself and the whole situation. So, of course, it's very important to be confident underwater when becoming an instructor. Um, yeah, but it takes some time. Yeah. So how far did you get with that? Um, I am a scuba uh, dive uh, trainer, so this means that after being an instructor, the next level is a master trainer, so um, it means that uh, I did uh, some, some amount of certifications, um, I teach uh, like uh, quite amount of students, and then that's how you reach the next level when you're an instructor, by teaching other people. Right, okay, sounds good. And any, any close calls? Um when you're teaching or anything like that and like you're talking about something can go wrong and like what can go wrong and like how how to solve when you're underwater when you can't speak and and all this mm -hmm. i mean underwater of course as you say correctly we cannot speak however we have uh, signs with the hands that we learn in the theory so the student knows which sign to show uh, to communicate to tell 
uh, there is a problem and then to show where is the problem. I have a problem with my equalization. I have a problem with my belly so that I can know how I can best help. But of course, the goal is to go step by step so that nothing happens underwater, that the student feels at all times safe. But of course, situations can happen that suddenly it gets, especially in the lake where I was teaching, it can get dark very quickly. And then some students, uh, they want to go up again. So then my, the solution is to calm down again and maybe take the hand, go a few meters back up where there is more light come down again and then decide together, should we try again to go a bit deeper or do you want to stay at this depth? So it's really uh, not rushing things and communicating underwater despite we cannot talk and then uh, find solutions together. Yeah, okay, because that can be pretty nerve-wracking, you know, when you're underwater. Of course, you have the oxygen and everything, so there's also that component. But yeah, any kind of concerns or, you know, panics about darkness or stuff like that can be... It's challenging. Do you think it's an accessible sport or because I can see that equipment being quite costly? Like, is there is there uh, opportunity where you can rent these kind of things? Like, I'm not sure what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think uh, nowadays it's really accessible. Um, you can rent everything. You can uh, you don't need to buy anything if you don't want to. I recommend always to buy the own mask and the own snorkel uh, because this is also something you can use uh, just to go for a swim and the snorkeling on vacation. Mm -hmm. But all the all the rest, the cylinder, the the jacket, everything, the suit, you can rent everything. Not only for your course, but then also if during the weekend you want to go for a dive with friends. You can rent this in the dive store and also especially in Switzerland, we have a lot of different uh, dive shops. Okay, nice. Okay, I wasn't aware, but I guess it's like anything. Once you're, it's like if you bought a yellow car, you'd start seeing yellow cars everywhere. It's like <laughs> once you get into the space, you see a lot more of it. So you said like when you go with friends. So like, do you have friends that also do this? Were you the the first one to enter to this sport and then then you made friends how did that like where's the community is there a community for this like and and how did you get in touch with them yes i mean uh uh it's more they became friends afterwards because uh we we get to know each other through the scuba diving but yeah i started it on my own but then as soon as you get into the into the into the field then really you feel that there is a connection because we we like the same thing. I'm sure this is the same with runners. We go through the same uh, struggles or emotions when we do it. Um, so then you can really connect easily with others in the community and everybody is really open and friendly. So yeah, that's how they became friends. Nice. And where, where so where has this uh, sport taken you? Like, you know, the the world is full of oceans and lakes, and I'm sure there's a whole world. I mean, there I know there's a whole world under the under the sea. Um, so, where are some of the best um, scuba diving, and what are some of the, the most amazing things that you've seen? Um, I mean, I have been a lot because I'm living in Switzerland. So the closest uh, is Egypt to me. And I have been there many times. There are many different places to discover. Also, I have done many liveaboards. That means that you live on the, on the boat during a whole week. And the only thing you do is dive, eat, sleep, repeat. Um, and then you can really enjoy to the fullest the, the underwater world. But I have to say the most beautiful place I have been was in Indonesia. And, uh, for example, in a national park where there is a lot of current. So what you have to do is at a certain point, you hook yourself into the floor and then you wait in the current because the current brings like nutrients and a lot of different fishes, a lot of big sharks, manta rays. So you can just stay there with your hook and watch how the big animals are swimming around you. This was an amazing experience. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, that's, I mean, like I said, there's, there's so many things that we can't see from, from up here. So if you can have access to that, that's like pretty, it can, it can be pretty special. Um, like, has it touched you in a way, like to have, to be able to experience that, that kind of um, stuff like under the water, you know, stuff that most people can't see. Like, I guess, you know, for a runner, you know, if you're, if you're peaking certain mountains or, you know, exploring different forests, you could say like, not everyone can do this. You know, I think there's a certain level of like, uh, even though there is a community that gets to do it, um, that, that you're, you're kind of experiencing something that maybe not everyone can. 
Absolutely, it's still a minority of humans who go down uh, the ocean. And of course, yeah, the first times I did it, it, it touched me, it changed my perception also on, uh, on, the, on nature, on, on, on animals, on biodiversity, because, I mean, I started, um, the first time I discovered diving, I was 18 years, and then I started again, I was maybe 25. So I also saw the difference on the water, like the degradation, the coral reefs were not the same anymore. Um, so of course, it changed a bit, um, yeah, all my perception. And I became then also a vegetarian, vegan, and I had a total different um, view on the world and uh, the beauty. I mean, you feel really connected uh, when you when you are down there in silence, and you are in the same world as as uh, as the as the fishes and the the, the animals underwater. Yeah. So it's visible from what from what you can see because you've traveled back to certain places to scuba scuba dive. Is that is that right? Exactly, yeah, that you can see the, the, the status of the coral reefs is not the same, yeah. So, and would you say that's caused by, like, humans or by, you know, what is it caused by, pollution or have you, have you kind of looked into that? Yeah, I mean, it can be the, it's due to different things, of course, uh, pollution. It can also just be because there was um, big waves or um, you can also have like an earthquake somewhere or a tsunami that then, of course, has an impact also on the underwater world. Um, but yeah, of course, I think also your yeah, human impact is is big, of course, yeah. Right. Um, so when you, now if we shift to the, the, the free diving, like it's not for everybody that, you know, this is a kind of a, you know, it's special sport. Like, was there a moment that you had? Was there something you saw, a person you spoke to that made you switch to that? Or like, how did that, how did that happen? Uh, it was more like I saw that there is this freediving course to do. And I thought, what is this? Why not? I never heard about it before. And then that's how I got into it. I did my, my course and I thought, ah, this is an amazing experience. And that's how then I wanted to learn more, to do it more intensely, to go on this vacation and do this every day. And then that's how it hooked me up. Okay. And like, what kind of uh, demands does it ask of, of you physically and mentally? Because I, I was reading about it and like, this is something that keeps coming up um, to be, I mean, you're not breathing. Like you're, you have to hold or hold a breath to be able to, to do this type of, um, sport and, and do it at a high level. Um, so what, it, what are some of the, the demands? Like what's the focus, uh, for, for training? Can you walk us through that? Like maybe from like a beginner level and then kind of how it evolves. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the base is that you like to be in the water, of course. Okay. Um, so this is a bit the base and then Everything can be learned anyway in life if you if you are passionate about something. But then, uh, of course, the first aspects you learn in a freediving course is uh, first of all um, how to hold the breath or how to breathe better. Because uh, no one teaches us this. We 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 come to this world. We go to school. We just breathe somehow how we think it works. But we we never really learned the different type of breaths. Where can we put air into our body? So this is a bit the first aspect we look into in a course um, to really fill up uh, the whole tank, let's say. But then also, uh, what about relaxation? How can I relax? There are different tools and techniques. Some work for one person, but not for the other. So the goal of a freediving course is really to provide all the different tools available to relax. And then it's up on the students to try them out, not only in the course, but then also afterwards, and to do his or her own cocktail, let's say, her own mix that perfectly works for, for, for himself. Um, and then, of course, to go through the different types of freediving, may it be static and staying in the water. Some people love that. It's not my thing because I'm a swimmer. I like to move in the water, so I want to swim underwater. This is more the dynamic part. And then also goes through um, everything that is in the dynamic because there is also a technique aspect. So if you have the fins, there is a certain way to fin underwater. If you go without fins, all the movements, um, how to move efficiently through the water, hydrodynamic, uh, in order to then go as far as possible with, without using too much energy. So there is this aspect, how do I breathe before? How do I relax? How do I move efficiently? 
And then at a more advanced level, uh, at a certain point during your breast hold, you reach a level of hypoxia. So this means that maybe you start feeling uh, certain emotions or dizziness and there comes the phase, but this is more than for the competitive part and more advanced part, how to navigate through this hypoxia and also to ride this fine line be between giving my all, pushing a little bit the limit, but not too much because of course it can result in a blackout. And then also in the course, what we always learn are safety aspects because we never should hold our breath alone. There always should be someone because even it might be days where you think I can hold my breath for long today, but you never know. Something can always happen. So it's always important to do it together with someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For safety purposes, if, if you have that blackout, you don't want to be alone in a pool. Um, that's yeah. And I've seen you do it. So it's like not blackout, but just go through a training or um, a specific kind of exercise. And it's quite intense to watch, you know. Um, from an outsider because you're not used to that like how and and you could see someone like how you fill your tank you know and like I guess maybe what are some of the things that surprised you when learning about this like about your about your body about the capabilities of it because like you know when you say fill your tank like people take a deep breath but then you can take more and then you can take more and then you can take maybe a little bit more too Yes, I mean, uh, it really showed me how incredible the body is. We are capable of so many things we would have never thought. I mean, if you tell a person from the outside, uh, I hold my breath and swim, I don't know how many meters or stay without air, uh, they think this is not possible. But also in a course, uh, most of the students, first, the first thing I always do when I teach a course is let's try it out. You do it how you think you do it the best. Maybe they do 30 seconds, 40 seconds. And then I tell them, so now we are going to double this time or even triple or even more. And they never believe me. But then if we go through the techniques, how to breathe, how to relax, how to focus, everybody can do minimum double of the time. So, yeah, this sport really showed me uh, how through knowing yourself, uh, through relaxation, through having all these different tools and, and always developing further, how we can really uh, achieve things that I have never thought are possible. Mm -hmm. And what's, what does training like look like for you for competition? Like I know, you know, running is volume based, let's say. So, you know, the more you can run easy, the better you can build a capacity and then you can start throwing in some workouts, for example, a rest day here and there. How is it like maybe different for a free diver? Yeah, there are also here different aspects or phases. I mean, at the beginning, of course, it's always about also about the strengths, about swimming, about building this up, and then also, of course, the technique. But then there is also a certain level in the cycle where it's more about um, really being able to have the CO2 tolerance, because if we don't breathe out, the CO2 is building up and the body is giving us signals due to the CO, high CO2 levels, please breathe. So this is a technique that we try to learn um, to relax because uh, oftentimes we say the first time you have this urge to breathe or you want to breathe, you can really go a, bit, a little bit further be before anything happens and the body shuts down. So here it's also a mind training and to be able to continue despite having the signals or better to embrace the signals because it's part of our nature and the body is just doing what he's built to do. He's giving us the signals and it's, it's good for us to know them. So then it's more uh, during the training to do long dives, to maybe uh, stay underwater for a long time, to, to, to continue with these feelings, to, to enjoy the time. Um, exactly. And then try to, to build up that CO2 tolerance. And then also, of course, the hypoxia level where the oxygen, so the O2 is a little bit lower. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is something I think we, like you said, we take for granted a little bit and as runners, we get to breathe all the time. People ask me, like, how do I breathe when I'm when I'm running? I kind of just say, do do what feels natural for you. You know, um, certainly, like, there's certain things you can do to simulate, you know, oxygen deficiency too. When you're running, you can just breathe through your nose because that's just that's more difficult. So you're getting less air, and it makes it more more difficult. Um, and so when you're going to race, you can just breathe normally and you know, maybe that'll give you some kind of, that'll help you cardiovascularly. But when it's, it's literally like life or death in the water, you know, we're not, we're not fish. 
I mean, you, you, you kind of, you're close, you know, <laughs> you could spend a lot of time underwater. Um, but you know, that's like really, it's, it's, if you don't breathe, you're, you're like, you, you could die or you'll, you'll drown or whatever. So like, it's, it's a, it's a bit different, I could say, you know, but, um, what, and what is like nutrition and preparation and all like, what is, what goes into that? Like in terms of, you know, cause they say, you know, don't eat 30 minutes before you go in the water. So like, is there anything to that as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, what is here also specific in freediving is that before a dive, you cannot eat because uh, if you eat before when you have contractions or doing a long breast hold, it can be that it feels uncomfortable. Uh, so uh, before a training or before a race, uh, two hours before I, I cannot eat. And also before a race, of course, we need energy. I mean, if I have a, a dive in the morning, I eat maybe an energy bar uh, two hours before for my body to have some energy, but uh, not to have a full stomach that will then disturb me during my dive. Okay. Um, and there are also free divers uh, before their static dives. They, they don't eat at all or very, very limited during a few days to bring the metabolism down, uh, to then reduce the oxygen and the, the energy consumption of the body to best prepare for this calm moment underwater. Okay. And would you say that your meditative state has improved? Like, you know, meditation, they say, is like very beneficial to people, like just in general. Would you say that that's also improved? Like, is it something you have to learn to be good at for this sport? Uh, to me, it helps a lot. Then, of course, there are different ways of doing the sport. And as I said, everybody is different. There is not one recipe. Everybody needs to find out what is important to them, what works. But yeah, for me, definitely meditation uh, really helps on one hand to know how to focus, to stay concentrated during several minutes, because this is what we need to do underwater. We need to stay in the present moment. Uh, when we are in a long dive, we cannot think about, I want to reach that wall or I want to reach this number because this will then use the energy and the, the oxygen in our body because we are thinking too much. So the goal is really to go one moment after the other, to stay in the moment where we are, go one stroke after the other. Um, and yeah, and then also all about the relaxation that we also are able to monitor what is going on. Where am I tense? Because maybe we can feel I'm relaxed. But if we really go through the different parts of the body, there is always a part that might be tense. So yes, to me, really meditation um, helps a lot for, for the sport. Would you say that, you know, doing this sport um, has helped you in other aspects of your life? Like, have you been able to carry lessons from, from sport to, to life in general? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, what freediving to me, freediving is really a tool that forces me to listen to myself. Because I said, we go to limits. And as I said, we are holding our breath. So it's something against our nature. So we have to be careful. We have to monitor what is going on inside us. So it's really something that showed me it's important to respect ourselves, to respect our limits and to know where they are, to learn more about ourselves. And this I, it helped me to apply it in many different aspects of my life, maybe uh, corporate work or now also in the running. I applied this into the running where I'm listening to myself, I'm listening to my body. I know a few years ago I had issues with my knees. So now thanks to free diving, I'm enjoying the moment. I'm monitoring what is going on. And yes, definitely. Okay, nice. And I mean, like I mentioned kind of when we got started, you know, you're now like, in a short amount of time, you've broken nine records, um, national records, and, you know, you're doing this uh, and representing your country. Like, how does that happen? Like, did you, did someone see potential in you or like, was it something you were naturally good at? Like, is it, you know, I don't even know the lifespan of a, of a free diver. Like, you haven't been doing it that long, but you're you're clearly talented. So you know, what kind of led you to that point where you got you there? Um, I think it's uh, this uh, fire I have with me. As I said in the beginning, when I started with competitive swimming, no one told me I should do it. Uh, no one saw me swimming and said, now you do competition. It really came from me because I, I love challenge. I love uh, growth to learn about myself, to, 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 yeah, to see new things. And this is then also how I got into the competitions. And I mean, Switzerland, uh, there is a community of freedivers. However, the competitive uh, community is not yet so 
big is still growing so that's why i had the chance uh, to participate in the world championships quite quickly um i mean uh, i was the first swiss also competing in the kmas world championship so um of course it was a big big honor for me and privilege and on the other hand as i was still a beginner of course i felt a lot should i do it or not i mean i just started i started uh, not even a year before i went to my first world championships but then on the other hand what i noticed in freediving is that the people are really very open because everybody is so focused on on their self on what happens on their inner that i didn't feel much much um yeah negative thoughts i mean everybody was very welcoming and supporting and that's what gave me the courage to go to the world championships i mean i was alone i i went there alone um and yeah of course, it's an honor, but on the other hand, there is always a positive and negative side is that uh, it's all, of course, related with hard work. Uh, you have to do your trainings, um, but it's a beautiful experience. Yeah. And what are something, maybe some lessons that you learned from your peers? Um, I mean, uh, everybody has their own approach. Um, but of course, uh, that we have to take things like step by step, not rush too much to also a lot enjoy the moment because in swimming, it's a bit more about you push through and you, I mean, you can breathe. And so it's a very different focus. It's about speed, about um, endurance, and it's a different focus. And then in freediving, what I first had to learn, and I learned it also through my peers and I saw it. Uh, is that you really need to enjoy the moment. You need to relax because it's if you want to rush things that exactly you use this energy that we need to to reduce. So this is really something a, a mind switch that I had when I started. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're you're going on adrenaline in that sport. Exactly, it's, it's the opposite. Yeah, yeah, you gotta calm the adrenaline. So yeah, normally yeah that that adrenaline gives you a certain like level of performance, but in this case it's maybe more harmful. Okay. And so, and the people there, are they your age? Are they older? Like what's the, what's the demographic here on a, on a world stage? That's uh, the beautiful part also about freediving, I think, is that um, you can freedive and be very, very successful also with 50 years. Uh, so I'm just at the beginning. Um, and also what is important in this sport is that you really have to learn a lot about yourself. You need to, to, to be in control of yourself. And I think this is maybe easier for a person that is a little bit older, wiser, uh, went through a lot in life and knows best how to handle different situations than with a very young person who still is learning a lot about, about himself or herself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, uh, you really can do freediving also on a competitive level, very long time. Okay. And what was that first uh, championship like for you? What was that experience like? I mean, it was very exciting. Um, I really had no uh, objectives. I didn't know what it is. I mean, I, I said I just started. So I just went there to learn, to, to watch the others, to see the, this feeling and the vibes at the world championships. And I mean, it was, that, it was beautiful because I didn't have so many expectations. And it went very well. I directly uh, set up uh, new records for my country. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing. Did, did you expect to break records or did, did it just happen and you're kind of surprised by it? Uh, a little bit both. I mean, uh, there are records for every discipline. So for some disciplines, the records existed already. Uh, so here, um, I mean, I knew I could maybe do it. Um, but of course, I was not focusing at all on, on that. And then there are other records that didn't exist yet. So I, it's more that I set them than, than breaking okay. at the beginning. And then how many events can you participate in in a world championship? Like I know if you ran like a marathon, you probably couldn't compete in anything else. But some runners compete in like shorter, you know, two shorter distances, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, World Championship is mostly during five or seven days, and there are four disciplines. There is the dynamic with the bifins, dynamic with the monofin, dynamic without fins, and the static part where you lay in the water. So there are four disciplines. And then there is also endurance. These are free divers who go shorter distances and more speed. Mm. So if you want, you can, you can, of course, do all of them, but um, then you will be very tired and you need to think also a bit strategically, uh, where do I want to have my biggest dive? Of course, you will be tired afterwards. 
So the most free divers, they do maybe three uh, dives during a competition or four, but yeah, one dive per day maximum. Okay. And what's the recovery time like on your body? Like, what does it do to you? Like, I know how I feel after an hour, two hour or three hour run, but what is it? How much energy does it take out of your body? Yeah, I mean, if you really do a long, a long dive, of course, you are tired afterwards. But I would say if you rest well, uh, you eat uh, something afterwards, you sleep well, hydration, then the next day you are good again. But of course, after if you do this three times in a row, three days in a row, after the third day, you are you are tired after a week of uh, world championship. Of course, you need one or two to to rest and get back. And also not only physically, because it's a very, very mental sport. Uh, and also it has a big impact on the nervous system because we are holding our breath. So here it's not only important to rest for the body because maybe after two days your body feels good again. Because I mean, to me, my limits in freediving until now, they are never on the physical level. It's never because my legs are sore, etc. It's always because my mind is overwhelmed or because of my breast hold. So here it's important that afterwards you rest for the nervous system, you rest for your mind, that then you have the mental energy again to go underwater and hold your breast for a long time. Mm -hmm. And what would you say is um, the, the biggest, the biggest challenge you've faced so far in, the, in this, in your young intro to the sport? Uh, to me, it's definitely the mental part. Um, because I think I had a nature of, I'm very passionate about what I do, what I do, and also I have ambitions and I go, I can push through. However, this is not working so well in freediving. You really need to be careful uh, not to overdo things, uh, especially because of this mind, uh, mindset and also, yeah, your, your nervous system that it can become too much. You can become overwhelmed. And, uh, I think this was one of my biggest learning also through this sport that I really need to listen when is it enough to do breaks early enough, not when it's too late and uh, enjoy it really step-by-step step and not rushing and being really patient. Okay. Yeah. That's well, it makes sense just about with every, with everything. Right. So it's um, super important. And would you say it's, it's a dangerous, like a dangerous sport um, and, and why, like, why would, why would it be dangerous? Cause like, I, I can associate maybe lack of oxygen with, uh, you know, is there is there brain damage or is there anything like that? Like, what's the, what are some of the um, the dangers around it? Uh, I would say it's not dangerous at all. If okay. you, for example, take a course and you know what to look for, you know that you're always with the body, and also that the body is trained, that the your your the person who is with you, uh, she knows what to look for. There are several signs and signals that you need to see in the person who is holding the breath to then um, put her back to air uh, early enough that there is not a potential brain damage. But also this takes a very, very long time. You have to be unconscious underwater for a very long time to have damage. And this would never happen in a in a professional setting or with people who are trained because also, for example, no matter in the training, we are always with other trained freedivers who are we are looking at each other, but mm -hmm. also in the competition. If you are swimming in a competition, there is always a safety swimming above you at the top of the water and you are swimming below. And sometimes there are even two safeties because at the end of your breast hold, uh, you always announce your distance that you want to do. So the safety is they know, oh, now she's going to her limit. She's going into the, this hypoxic phase. We need to be careful. And at the end of the dive, you always have, for example, also two safeties following you. And the same also in depth when the athlete surfaces the last few meters, there are always two safeties or even more monitoring what is happening. So I would say if you do it um, in the way how it should be done, if you take your course, you know how it should be, how, how you, what you need to look for, it's not a dangerous sport at all. Okay. So you, you would recommend it to uh, swimming enthusiasts? Who would you recommend it to? Absolutely. Uh, to everybody who loves water, but also to people who are maybe looking to a way to find more relaxation into their daily life to listen to themselves, to be in this calm surrounding in this element of water. So yeah, I can totally recommend it. Okay. Sounds good. And, and, and like, you've had some challenges during competition. Like, how do you, how do you rebound from, from adversity? 
you know, from a, from a, maybe a negative uh, situation or a negative performance? Yeah, this can be a big challenge and it's very uh, an important part in, uh, in any competitive sport, I think. Um, to me, what always helps is to see that no matter uh, which tough phase we might have in a training cycle or also in a competition, everything, uh, I think, happens for us to learn something. It's not a failure. Uh, it's just a learning that will make us stronger and grow. And uh, I always try to find out what was the lesson with this uh, exactly, because I think it's always part of a bigger picture, of a bigger goal of of self-development. So I always try to turn what happens into a positive light uh, to then take energy out of it instead of that it puts me down. Okay. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, there's got to be a way to carry forward. You know, we're always worried about, you know, failures and this and that, but like they're all built there to teach us something like you say. Um, what's the best advice that you've ever been given? Um, it might appear as a tough one or, um, I mean, but, uh, the best advice for me was, um, stop finding excuses. And because of course, life sometimes can get complicated. There are circumstances that you don't want, maybe an injury or an illness. But on the other hand, we are always in control of our life and we can always decide what we do. We can decide, I don't want to go to the training. I don't want to do this competition. I don't want to do this dive. But when we take the decision, I want to do this dive, despite everything that happens, then we should try to be, first of all, compassionate with ourselves. Uh, and then also if something doesn't work out as planned because of other aspects in life, then we need to accept it. Then it's not, it did happen because this and that, this didn't work out. No, I am in control of my life. I see what is happening in my life. And it's with this uh, knowledge that I go into my training, that I go into my dive, I do the best I can. And even if it's not what I planned for, the result is not what I was aiming for. It is fine for this moment right now. So it's not about finding excuses. Why is it bad? But it's more about it is what it is right now, but it's good how it is because it's where I am right now that am I at the right place because it's part of my journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, and it is a journey, right? Like, you got to embrace the good with the bad and yeah, excuses aren't good for anybody. You just kind of got to keep pushing forward and, you know, find if it's something you really love, something you're really passionate about, something that, that you want in your life, then you got to find a way to make it work. And yeah, no one's going to do it uh, except you. So um, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment? I think it was uh, this uh, first uh, world championship because I was so new. I didn't know anything. I just embraced it. I did my best what I could. And uh, it was really a, a beautiful experience that I, that I will never forget. Mm -hmm. Is it hard to like, uh, you know, find, find that you belong in that space, you know, when like you're, you're so new and you see all these like really experienced people, you're like, what am I doing here? Like, do you have this kind of imposter syndrome a little bit? Not at all okay. in, this, in this sport, not at all. Really, everybody makes you feel welcome. Everybody comes to talk to you, even like top athletes. They are so open and approachable because I think freediving is also still a bit a niche sport. It's still growing a lot. Yeah. So, of course, we are still, we know each other, let's say. Right. And where are you hoping to go with it? Um, I don't know yet. I mean, I don't focus too much on uh, numbers or records or medals or anything because i think also you can maybe break a record because but this record can always be broken again by someone else so or also a medal you might uh, earn a medal one year but next year in the same competition someone else will take it but i think there are things in sport that no one will ever take away from you that's everything you learned everything you went through the growth that you had so it's really i'm really focusing on this part uh, when doing sports uh, to me like um a competition or a goal is just a pretext for me to train because my goal is to to learn about myself to 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 challenge to see life maybe in a more intense way and uh, so this is my my true goal and as long as i can continue to to learn because i think also sport is a never-ending learning process then i will i will continue true yeah that's for sure and like what would you um what advice would you give a younger version of yourself uh, to be patient, everything will come, everything you want will come, but things take time. 
stick to it, continue, enjoy every moment, enjoy the lows, enjoy and also celebrate the, the highs because I think this is also important, even small accomplishments uh, because everything, everything what you do is great even if it's a small part of your journey because this will bring you further to maybe a higher goal. So it's really enjoyed step by step. Mm -hmm. And I can, I know that you enjoy that. Again, I know that you don't just enjoy that for yourself, but like when you're watching other people achieve goals too, like you've, you've seen me, you know, race a marathon in Zurich and um, just watching runners go by and doing something that you're maybe not so familiar with. Like you can find joy in, in the pursuit, which is what, you know, other people are doing. You know, would you call yourself like a sports fan, like just in general? I think so, because uh, it's, uh, I mean, there is this aspect of self, uh, of learning and, and pushing and, and embracing a challenges that applies to any competitive sport or any sport in general. And I love, as you mentioned, to, to go and watch marathons, even if I'm not a runner. <laughs> um, I'm now starting a little bit with it, but it's this energy there. It's people who were training so hard every day or they went out to run in the rain, in the snow, in the sun, because it's their passion, because they love it. And then there is this day with the race where everybody is at the starting point waiting to, to, to get into this journey of, of a marathon or something big. And this is, to me, it's always very emotional, even if I'm just watching it, but it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's like that whole, the whole vibe, you know, and, and you're going to get to experience that in, in your race too, which is, uh, which is going to be fun. What, what levels of, um, you know, cross training do you do? Like, do you, are there certain sports that complement what you do in the water? Yeah, I mean, for sure, uh, gym, because of course we, we need to be strong. Uh, the, the stronger we are physically, the less energy we use underwater. So of course, gym, uh, now I also do a little bit of running that of course helps also in general for fitness. Uh, but mainly I am in the water and uh, if it's not like a breast hold, it's uh, of course swimming that is very close to it, but also more sporty athletic part. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I know like for me, strength is also a good thing. I think just general fitness is good for just about uh, every sport. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good tip. Um, where can people like find out more about you, Natasha, and like follow your, your diving journey? I think the easiest is on Instagram. So it's my name, Natasha Lazy, where I post my ups, my downs, everything that is happening. It's a bit my, my, my journal or I share uh, what I'm going through and it helps me also to find perspective in a few things and see again the bigger picture if sometimes we are too much into one situation. Okay, great. Well, I, I look forward to following along and I'm super proud of, you know, everything that you've accomplished and that, that we, we get a chance to know each other and um, can't wait to see what you get up to next and, uh, and see where you, you go with that 10K. Thank you so much. No problem. Take care, Natasha. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Just In Stride podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen and I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please take a minute after this to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. With your feedback, we'll be able to make the show even better, and it'll help us reach new listeners too. You can also find us on Instagram at JustinStridePod for all the latest episodes and updates. Of course, this show wouldn't be possible without a solid team behind me, with logo and design by Vanessa Pugliese, as well as audio, music, and editing by Forrest McKay. A huge thank you goes out to both of them. Guest outreach, social media, writing, and advertising are handled by me, your host, Justin Pugliese. Finally, we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for coming along for the ride with Justin Stride.